Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. Reporting started. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Chase Cohort. Chase, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the chat. So I would love for you to share a little bit with our audience uh, just about you, but how I like to frame this is a little more a little unique to most podcasts. I like to ask people, if we met at like a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Oh, uh, okay. Um... I'm Chase Coer, uh, born and raised Austinite. Uh, Austin's obviously a big tech hub uh, these days, so been fortunate enough to kind of grow up within the the craziness of a little community turning into a giant city. Um, and I played basketball in college, so certainly a big sports fan, and, and definitely derived, I'd like to believe, you know, skills and things of that nature from playing high level sports. And would love to learn more about what you do. <laughs> and so tell us family yeah so my uh i grew up with five brothers um and one sister that was some awesome <laughs> full contact basketball games in the backyard <laughs> we could talk for two hours about it um yeah it was uh i fell right in the middle so i got, I got my share of getting beat up on and no my blood no foul <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> That's a, even to this day, the way we show affection is by making fun <laughs> of each other and picking on each other. And, um, but, you know, fighting for meals, fighting for dad's attention. And, you know, it, it, it was kind of a, just a way of growing up and, but we've all, we're all best friends. So it's just kind of the way it was a true blessing. But um, my, my closest to youngest brother, Jake, um, was working with a tech startup here in Austin when I started Aim for Hire. And, uh, we actually lived together for that year. And after, you know, four or five months, he's like, I want in. So he ended up joining and, and really leads a lot of our business development, finding new companies to work with, partnering with venture capital groups in town. So, uh, so family's huge to me. Um, and yeah, I've just been in Austin growing up, moved around quite a bit, but found my way back about eight years ago. Okay. So, so to, you mentioned aim for hire. So walk us through kind of the journey. I mean, nobody just wakes up, like go to college, play basketball, you know, didn't get that, didn't get drafted by the Lakers. So I had to, had to find something else to do. And, but what is, what was that journey that, you know, that post-college journey that, that brought you to aim for hire? For sure. You have an identity crisis. I think, you know, whether you're an athlete or, mm -hmm. or maybe it's, even something else that like a hobby is so that became kind of like a job in high school or college. And yeah. you kind of have to, you need know, graduate and you're kind of thrown into the workforce officially and, and having to provide for yourself. And I think that's, you know, for me, I had to kind of look myself in the mirror and be like, what, you know, what can I take that I'm good at and try to apply that to the world. Um, and, and frankly, like, you know, especially, especially being in Texas and being close to Austin, like tech was, 
the future. Um, now that was probably a global thing, the tech's future, but you just look around and, and everything seemingly has some tech enablement or tech yeah. involvement. Yeah. Austin's so, a special place. It is, it is. And, and, you know, even as a college student, you know, you start turning in your essays online and you start, you know, you're typing all your papers. There's no handwritten things anymore. It's mm -hmm. kind of like you see the, the direction. So for me, uh, I knew that tech was the space that, that I wanted to be in something that I thought was a long-term and an ability for me to move up quickly. Um, so I, I targeted the tech space straight off, you know, straight off the bat. Now the company that offered me the most money was a, a tech consulting and recruiting company. Um, they also offered me the ability to be outside sales, like mm -hmm. interfacing with customers. So I was like, Perfect. I'll use yeah. this as a as a way to to meet with all these companies in town, and then eventually I'll just choose one of these companies and just work for them. Hmm. Um, recruiting wasn't even you know really wasn't even in in my mindset at that point, but you know fortunately, doing it I, you know, after a year or so, I got recruited away to launch an office for a recruiting company in Austin. So I was drastically underqualified at twenty. 24 years old trying to do that <laughs> I was still you know and I give them credit for giving me the opportunity because it was kind of one of those things where like you know I'd, I'd be darned if I was going to fail so it just I just worked my tail off um, <laughs> so you know and from there it was three years of doing that building that out um, and and just really kind of learning how the industry works and I wanted to work with startups like I wanted to recruit I wanted to help startups hire and compete with Facebook and Google and Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, I like fighting for the little guy. Um, I, I like the underdog story. So it's like, to me, I didn't feel like there were a lot of companies in town that were doing that. So I just felt like, why not kind of branch off and starting for hire really targeted at those like super specific, super selective tech startups that need great talent, but they can't offer everything that, you know, Google can. So this is, this is a really strange question. How tall are you? <laughs> I am, ex I'm like six foot, 5'11 slash six foot. Okay. Um, so you yeah. got a, okay. So you got a six foot guy that's playing at a pretty high level college basketball. If, if Scrappy is not under his name, he is not making it on the court. Yeah. And you're just, you just carried that, that from the court to the, to the office. In in middle school and high school, I was just I was so tiny. Actually, my freshman year of college, I grew five inches. So if it wasn't for Scottie that, Scotty Pippen, yeah, yeah, me and Scotty Pippen should never be in the same sentence when it comes to basketball. But maybe the only that. time you'll ever hear that. I will take that. It was yeah, it, it was one of those things where I get to college and I was kind of done with basketball, and then I grew and ended up finding my way. So it was a. Uh, it was a great journey, but yeah, it's being scrappy is, is what it was all about. I think my dad was kind of raised this that way. And with five yeah. brothers, you kind of yeah. almost have to hey, if you want to eat. Yeah, that's right. There's five guys reaching in the bowl. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to be scrappy for sure. That's the truth. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, it was almost like you had a job in college, you know, as, as an athlete. And my son had an opportunity to play D1 soccer. And he, he said that he said, he said, I, I might be number 13, you know, out of 11. And he said, it, it's just a full-time job. I wouldn't have time to do anything else. So right. I, I fully understand what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and I think, and I have just as much appreciation and respect, you know, when we're hiring for like people that, you know, worked a job while they were going yep. to school or, or help pay their way through something. I think, um, and, and nothing against people that didn't do those things, right. but I think there's a value add that you get out of people like that, that have been through those experiences at a young age. So when you, when you 
took that leap and you said, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to work for this company anymore. I'm just going to start my own gig. Were there things that you learned at that previous company that you said, you just kind of made a mental note, maybe you actually wrote it down. You said, okay, they do this and I am not going to do this because I, I don't agree with the philosophy or, yeah, I'm not trying to ask you to throw them under the bus, but were there lessons you learned that you think when I'm on my own, I'm going to do things different because of these reasons? For sure. And I, and I think even, you know, playing, you know, I, I make a lot of sport analogies, but I mean, even playing with coaches and like, if I'm a coach one day, like, you know, what things would I do that my old coach did and what things would I do differently? Um, you know, I, I think you learn to emulate things that you feel are effective and then you, you kind of push against the things that you feel mm -hmm. like are ineffective. So that, that was a lot of what, how I felt, you know, having worked with a big recruiting company, then a, a kind of a mid-sized one is it helped me identify kind of like the things you do well and the things that I found, you know, that I got joy out of, but I also felt like I was the most effective at. And I really just kind of pinpointed like, that's the area that I want to, to really follow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, overall it, it was a great experience, but you know, when you're working for someone else, like, you know, you're, you're following somewhat of their direction mm -hmm. um, and, and they've allowed They allowed me to dictate some of that, but I think, you know, there, there certainly is a different level of freedom, but obviously a different level of responsibility when you start your own firm, yeah. everything relies on you. So I think um, I have a lot of admiration for companies that I've worked with, but, you know, we didn't agree on absolutely everything. So mm -hmm. I think when we started in for hire, yeah, that was kind of the focus was I, I didn't want to be a staffing firm, just another recruiting company that, you know, there's, there's just a million of them. Mm -hmm. um, and the barrier to entry, it doesn't take much to start a, a yeah. recruiting company. So, uh, so I was pretty honed in on, on working with a very specific client base and targeting a very specific talent base and, and really kind of learning as much as I could before I, I took that leap and decided to start my own thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I've thought of that, that mean that says, you know, when you're an employee, you're working for someone else's dream, you know, you're building someone else's dream. And that's, that is, that's so true. And, but when you, you take that, that leap, I mean, you also take all the responsibility and all that, you know, you're the one that now is waking up at three o'clock in the morning, wondering, was that a good decision or was, you know, <laughs> not going to make payroll on Friday, you know, that type of things. Exactly. It it's interesting. I, I love the, I love the way that I, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. So I love sports analogies too, but I'm, I am curious, like when you, when you did take that leap, were there, what was like your USP? What was the thing that you said, this is what is going to be the, the one thing that's going to really differentiate us from, you know, even indirect competitors. It was going to be, it was going to be, frankly, that, that I, that I, especially in the, for early parts of the company that I, I was going to outwork in absolutely anybody that tried to compete with me. And, and it was just like, all I needed was a crease in the door at any company that needed help hiring. And at the time, everyone and their mother was hiring. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I just need a crease in that door and like, I'll deliver, um, now, like that changes when you start hiring people and yeah. you're relying on them to deliver. Um, but I, I think it was, you know, for one, it was going to be that, like, I, I got an experience of how recruiters generally did things. Mm -hmm. And I came from kind of a sales customer facing uh, how I got in the industry and then taught kind of taught myself how to recruit. So I just I'd like to believe that there were some core competencies that I, I felt like I did a little differently on the recruiting perspective. But most of it was that 
you know, never as cliche as it is, just never give up. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to get this done. Um, and I knew With that integrity most, and excellence. So, yeah, and, and attention to detail. And I thought. I thought one of the biggest things was if you're going to, if you're going to partner with startups, which I felt like not a lot of companies were doing. So that was really number one um, was like, I, I am now their voice and I'm going to sell that to them of like, I'm going to scream from the rooftops, your company, what you guys are about, what you do. And I'm going to spread the word in Austin because this is my city. And I'm going to make sure that everyone here knows who you guys are and whether it's good or bad or indifferent, you know, not, a, not every company's perfect, but I think, when you're a small company, not a household name, um, you know, hiring a recruiter that finds you talent, but also will get your the name of your company out there, like that, that kind of validates what they're doing. And, and I think that ended up kind of being the service that I provided early on. I think that, you know, it, I've, I've done this for this show for five years every week and talked to people in 30 different countries, 280 startup founders or whatever that it's interesting. So many people they are like consultants or they, you know, provide a service. They're like, I wanted to work with startups, but you know, the one thing I figured out startups don't have any money <laughs> is what they said over and over again. So I'm thinking as you started, you're thinking it's like you, you've now niched down because, you know, you can, you can afford to, because you're a little more established, you have a little more runway, but um, I would think really early, that was another differentiator was that, you know, some of the larger places wouldn't even touch startups because they couldn't pay, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't pay for those types of services. And you're thinking, I'm going to beat you on hustle. I may even beat you on price early. <laughs> yes, it, that that's precisely right. And I think that's an interesting part to call out to entrepreneurs or future business owners is, you know, I had this idea what I wanted to do. And then there was a execution and finding out, you know, how do I keep making money or how do I make money in general? And, and you kind of have to decide like how how far you're willing to to kind of veer off maybe that vision you had. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I wanted to work with startups, but they can't afford the fees. You know, they can't afford the same fees that maybe a bigger company could afford. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're in a financing round or something that they would have some money behind it, maybe. Exactly. And that's to be fair, there's there's probably an asterisk next to the we work with tech startups. Like a lot of these companies either have a lot of funding or they've had early success and they've just generated a pretty crazy amount of revenue. So they're, they're not like one or two person shops per se. Now mm -hmm. in the first year of our business, I was working with, yeah. with, you know, two person companies, 20 person companies, a hundred, you name it. Like I was going to do it. But, um, but I think kind of, as we grew, you know, like you said, some startups can't pay or you end up kind of getting screwed because they didn't pay you on time or they didn't pay yep. you at all. They ran out of funding. Yep. Um, you know, but that we'll was kind of equity. <laughs> yeah. And we did that in some cases where it's like, you take a calculated risk yep. and, um, but you also want them to know you're bought in. So, I mean, the equity part to me, was like, I don't know if it's ever going to be worth anything. Yep. Um, it, and it's such a small portion of stock mm -hmm. at that point, but it does give both sides kind of like we both have skin in the game. Mm -hmm. let's, let's partner together and actually get things done versus just be this weird third party consultancy type relationship. Yeah. yeah I, 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 that is, I, I love that. And, and as you have, you know, as you, so I, let me rephrase that. So when you started aim for hire, what year did that actually start and kind of walk us the journey from that point to where you are today? Yeah, we started in 2019. It was January, February of 2019. So pretty rough, um, rough time to start. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, no kidding. I frankly, I I I just was a one man shop doing whatever for you know just trying to make enough money so I could start hiring people. Um, and you know, six months in, uh, or not even probably four or five months in, I had an intern, and then we made our first full time hire. And then uh, my brother came along. And then from there, like, that's really when obviously COVID and the shutdowns and the the world caught fire there. And um, so, yeah, for that to happen, the first, you know, first year or so, the business was certainly was scary. Yeah, there's um, a lot of those stories out there. Yeah. So we found we were founded in uh, February of 2019. Um, so we just, uh, I guess, had our four year anniversary, if you will. Um but uh, the first three to six months, just a one person show, you know, I just did whatever, whatever was needed, whatever was going to generate revenue, you know, those early customers, I think you kind of have, you, you know, as a business owner or anybody that starts your own company, you'll start to learn that those first customers, those first people that are willing to give you a shot, you kind of just have a, you're indebted to them, but yeah. obviously, you know, you're, uh, you'll always remember those companies. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me, that's how it was and, and getting the opportunity to do that and, and kind of make enough money to start hiring and start building, uh, building out a team. Uh, we had our first intern, I think four months in who, you know, really was, ended up becoming a full-time employee of ours two years later and, and is one of our top performers. He's just, he's outstanding. So it's, um, you know, built an internship and then we had another full-time employee and then uh, I think we added two more right before really, you know, the COVID life um, in the world kind of, uh, you know, got flipped upside down there. Um, so we, you know, I think I mentioned we were scared. I mean, I was scared. I'll be honest. I, I, I think business owners or entrepreneurs sometimes have this stereotype of just being absolutely fearless. Um, and maybe in That's some cases they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, yeah, I was scared. And I, I think, it was scary to see other people scared. Um, and I think, you know, when COVID happened, obviously it was, it, it put everybody on their heels. And I know that a lot of companies, you know, were probably, were much more affected than fortunately we were. Um, but, you know, we kind of just took this mindset of like, we're building a brand. We don't have very, a lot of expenses at this point um, outside of some employees who had taken low salaries to be a part of their early journey. So, um, so really we just like, we just kind of went out and, and connected people with any jobs that we could find yep. um, and not for pay, like really just kind of pro bono, like let's build a brand, let's meet people, let's help people. We connected a lot of CTOs with other CTOs in town just so they could talk through like if they had to do a layoff, um, you know, how they were handling it, um, maybe what they saw happening, even though obviously none of us really knew what the future looked like at that point. Um, I think that was a, that was a, a huge paramount kind of part or time of our business uh, because I think, you know, obviously a lot of things could go wrong and did go wrong. Um, but, you know, we had, we had a pretty diversified client base at that time, some in healthcare, some in gaming, you know, we kind of just started looking at what industries will be fine um, or grow even because of this. Um, so we, you know, the beauty of being a small company is you can be pretty agile. You can adapt mm -hmm. faster than a big company can. Yep. So we just, on a dime kind of just decided that these are the companies we think we'll be hiring and we're going to do everything we can to get an opportunity with those. So, um, this is a fine but, line between pivoting and, and viewing an opportunity. It really is. It's like, it's like, I think we, we think, okay, I had this trajectory and I pivoted 
it's almost like there's a negative connotation with that that says I kind of missed it the first time. You know, maybe nothing is further from the truth. Maybe yeah. you were right on it. It's just the the market changed. The the you know the the field changed. You know, it's so. That's um, yeah, interesting. It is really interesting. Yeah, it's. I mean, in tech, I mean, if you can't adapt or or be agile in in the tech world, I mean, you talk about things that can change quickly. I mean, it, even this Chat GPT, Open AI, mm -hmm. like just on it. You know, things are going bad. Tech is getting smashed. Open AI, all of a sudden, you know, investments, money, excitement, scare, you know, scariness of this AI thing, you know, just out of nowhere. I think if you can't pivot, um, I think you're right, though. Pivot does have kind of a negative connotation to it. But frankly, um, you know, in basketball, having, uh, you know, pivoting on, a, you know, I think triple threat and pivoting, it, it mm -hmm. can be effective because it, it makes you more multifaceted if you're able to pivot. Yeah. Um, if you just have one direction, you best hope that that direction is, is a successful one. Um, your first step time. better be Allen Iverson. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, only you have better, one direction. <laughs> you better have a darn good software product. If you, you know, if you've decided on one area and that's the only area you decide to go in, like, um, you, you know, you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket. So I think, yeah, I think diversification, being able to pivot, being able to adjust is is just such a powerful skill for a company or startup to have, um, especially in tech. It's just... I, uh, I mean, it's it's interesting to see just the trajectory in a pretty short period of time. You know, less than four years that you're are right at four years where you're you're kind of coming to that time. But um, it seems like to me that it is an incredibly competitive space that you operate in, and it's not just you know just like like for like it's not just shop versus shop it's not just you know agency versus agency or whatever it's like seems like there's like you know online stuff that you've got to deal with and there's people just popping in that are just consultants and internal versus external and I mean, there just seems so many different directions and it's kind of hard to to determine like who you're even competing with sometimes and how do you how do you manage that in, in a, such a highly competitive space? Yeah, it's, um, I think in some ways. It, See, I wasn't worried about it until you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, competition. Thanks, that's right. <laughs> no one else does recruiting like us. Um, no, it, it, it's what drove me to the industry, frankly, um, or kept me in the industry, rather, is that there are so many companies that do it. Um, but there is kind of a level or almost like a standard, like just like real estate brokers or other mm -hmm. service providers. Like, you know, there's, there's kind of this level that most companies operate at. And then you have some people that are those really top tiers and then you have some people that aren't, um, you know, the, the thing that it attracted me to the space was it's highly disruptable. It's a space that's kind of followed a similar protocol yeah. for a long time. And, um, you know, I saw it firsthand with working with the bigger recruiting companies and they're designed to support big companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're very transactional, very high volume, lots of the mass messaging that I'm sure you, your inbox is filled with on LinkedIn with this kind of, you know, role. All know types of what jobs. You speak. That's yeah. <laughs> Gosh. it But that's the kind of stuff that fires me up, I think. Um, and so frankly, it's, Yes, it can be daunting when you Google how many recruiting firms are in Austin or in Texas. Um, but I also think, you know, you you hear about all these negative experiences people have with recruiters. And I think it it kind of it just leaves a door open to companies or, or groups of people that are really trying to do the do it the right way. Um, 
And so for me, it was like, you know, it, it wasn't hard to start my own company and, and get it going um, because you really just, you really just kind of have to stick to what got you to where you are and, and what you understand like is a differentiator from the rest of recruiters. Um, so I think for us, it can be challenging knowing that there's all these other firms in town and online and there's these AI platform that I'm sure will will begin, you know, they've already been some over the years, but with ChatGPT and stuff, I'm sure they'll integrate something into their LinkedIn with Microsoft having ownership in them. So recruiting will change. Um, and I think the argument against the AI and the software enabled recruitment has always been like, you know, can you put a human being into a software platform? Like what happens you know, that connection that a person has with another right. person, uh, empathy, being able to recognize like, you know, qualities about that person over mm -hmm. a phone call or, or video nuances, calls. even, even facial expressions and th that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think that's, you know, we'll see how that disrupts the space. I'm sure it will. Um, but I think there is, there just has to be kind of a level in my mind of like, if there's going to be all these other firms, like, you know, we've, we've got to set a standard mm -hmm. and then you have to live up to that standard every single time. That's the difficulty. Yeah. I think is you recruit for a company and you do a great job, you bring on a new customer and they're, you know, you got to do it all over again. Like mm -hmm. you got to be able to deliver at that level again. And again, otherwise your brand takes a hit, you know, mm -hmm. word of mouth is pretty strong in tech. So people will find out that if you suck or if you're good at what you do in mm -hmm. recruiting. Um, so I, I think that's what I love about the space, but also it can be frustrating because you kind of get like the conglomerate of all recruiting. You kind of get thrown into that bucket right. like, oh, you're just a headhunter or right. you do staffing or mm -hmm. you just fill seats. Um, and I think that can be frustrating because I, I think in a lot of ways we've tried to be different than that and like really work on roles that were like hugely pivotal positions at tech companies where they can't afford to make the wrong hire at a startup stage. Yeah. Um, I think we love that. We thrive on that, but it, it can be, it can be frustrating with the recruiters that kind of just mass message everybody and kind of give a bad name. I, I think, I think the analogy the drawing the analogy between that and real estate is, is a, is a good analogy, you know, because there, there's so many people that just, they're in and out in three months, you know, and it's, it's what you're facing. And it's not their fault. Like I know, I knew it being a big firm. They tell you, you know, you have all these metrics and you got to send out a thousand messages a day or whatever yeah. it is. And of course, if you have to send out a thousand in a day, like you're just going to click the template and just send it to a thousand instead of, you know, really reading people's profiles and trying right. to determine if they fit this opportunity. So it's uh it's just attention to detail and I think just different business models. Um, yeah. but I, I'm with you. Yeah, real estate's a great one. I, I think I've we've found a lot of parallels in what we do to kind of we partner with some real estate firms and connect some of our clients to them to help them find office space. And um, you know, there's yeah, it's definitely it takes effort to be one of the good ones in a space mm -hmm. like that. Uh yeah, highly competitive and highly transient, you know, space, but um, do you hire um, I guess clones of yourself. <laughs> that's Is that what you look for? You know, when you hire people, that's such a great question. Cause I, I having helped startups hire, I see, you know, you see their hiring patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, and do they, you know, how do people decide who they want to hire? you have those like ones that hire people that like, you know, this is the kind of person I'd, I'd love to grab a beer with and watch a sports game with. So I'm going to hire them. Um, and then you have these others, like, I'm not sure we'll be friends, but they're incredible at what they do. And this is what we need. So 
you kind of just have these different strategies or different mindsets around hiring. Uh, for us, to be honest, I, I, I love hiring people that are different than me. Mm -hmm. Um, but there have to be some intangibles and that's really how we built the firm was we're going to hire people that have the go-getter hungry, uh, you know, a lot of them played college sports. A lot of them worked their way through college, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. I was talking about earlier, um, they have that like kind of intangible skill set. They just didn't have the tangibles around tech. So we've taken, we have ex college pro athletes on our team. We have, um, people that have worked in the airline space, people that have worked in HR, people that have worked in teaching, um, you know, but they had that drive and they had the commitment to kind of what we were trying to do and working with these smaller companies and, and giving them a voice. So, um, so I'd say that honestly, I've hired a lot of people that did have a similar background as me. Um, but I've also hired a lot of people that didn't. Um, and, and I think, you know, you've got to, that's probably something looking back, if I could talk to myself four years ago, um, it, it's kind of trusting and really listening, you know, really interviewing as many people as you can. Wow. Um, and I think taking a risk sometimes mm-hmm. when you're hiring, because I, I think there were times where we needed certain things. Um, that I didn't have or a team didn't have. And in those cases, you really have to decide, like, are you willing to take that risk in hiring somebody that brings it to the table, but you're not sure if it's going to work or not. I love the way you kind of frame that, you know, yes and no. You know, it's like a a nice (laughs) political dance that you did there. But I I don't hire clones, but I hire people that have certain characteristics that I'm looking for. You know, I I want grit. I want, you know, stick to this. I want a work ethic. I want, you know, hunger, those types of things that, you know, are kind of built in. But they can they can look different and they can act different. But those core skills are still there. The core skills. And and frankly, though, we've had folks that, I mean, there are a lot of people on our team that are, they're just super different than me. And it's just been so cool to see. And now like I've morphed myself into being around them and starting to kind of be more like them or emulating things that I thought were really special about them. Um, But those were the, you know, maybe those were the hires that like early days hiring people, you know, or friend of a friend types. And then you start kind of exploring past that network and really looking at people that you don't know. Yeah. Um, no. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, that is a journey in and of itself. You know, we help companies hire, but obviously hiring ourselves was a journey for me. I, mm. I, I had to learn quite a bit about how to do that the right way. I'm still learning. It is. Yeah. And it may be a work in progress for a long time. But so I, as we as a kind of transition here at the end, and I, I do want to honor your time today. I know you've got other things to do, but the uh, I've got a couple of three just like rapid fire questions that I really, I, I don't want you to think about them. I just kind of want you to respond, you know, okay. as they, as they come up. So do you think that, that uh, there's such a thing as an entrepreneur gene? No, I don't. I, yeah, I, 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 I just think I've seen, I, I just think that there are so many entrepreneurs that come from different backgrounds and, and have different skill sets. Like the independent visionary is kind of the stereotype. Like mm-hmm. they're visionary, independent, they work hard. But then I have met people that are not that and they're something else. And frankly, I'm not that. And I believe in myself and I believe in this company. So I, I was just really willing to work hard. And I, I, I'd like to believe like I'm, I'm kind of empathetic and passionate for, for human beings. Um, I like helping others and connecting people. So I... I don't. I, I think in a lot of ways you grow up so much throughout your life that it's uh, 
it's not something you're born with. I, I think in a lot of ways, sometimes it's developed through an experience. Right. So it's like nature versus nurture type thing. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I just, I've been so fortunate to, to get to work with so many entrepreneurs and it's just like, I, it'd be hard for me to say like, oh, they just were born with it. Like so many of them, uh, you know, have their own incredible stories that got them to where they are. And now they're armed with the skills to lead a company. So my next question may change your mind. <laughs> so you may you may want to go back. Can I refer back to a question? Was that a trick there? question? No, no, it was not a trick question. I, and actually, it's on the fly too. I've never asked this question in 280 episodes or whatever. So okay, cool. I am I am curious. When did you figure out that you were virtually unemployable anymore? <laughs> you, you had you were you you said I've got to do this on my own. Um, uh, hmm. Because you wouldn't have been happy staying where you were, right? Correct. Correct. Um, I I think I would have been content, but I was not. I, I would not have been happy. Um, I, honestly, I think pretty early in my career, I knew that I I wanted to run the show at some point, but that I needed to learn how to do it. Um, and and so yeah, I would say. Gosh, I was so focused on my last company. And I think just once I realized that I it was time, I, I, so I guess really probably just a couple months before I really left there and started this, um, it was, I was so focused on that. And I think you just kind of eventually just have that moment of like, you know, I think, I think it's time for me to, to take this risk. See, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of you. I mean, you stuck, you stuck to your guns there. I, I tried to trap you with it. Uh, I know you did. I, I caught myself saying that. I'm like, my, I, I knew I wanted I did. to run a, Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there I, is a gene. <laughs> even Maybe I, I have it. The reason I say it, yeah, playing basketball, I was always so worried about myself and how I played and how my coach thought of me. And then in college, my mindset completely changed of like, how do I, how is this affecting the rest of my team, the team, like you become the team captain and leader and you start thinking about other people. And that's why I, I think if it wasn't for that experience, I might not have had the mindset to start a company and run it in a way that was about other people. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you are born with it, but uh, <laughs> like, I'd like to believe that, you know, I think anybody could be, be an entrepreneur if, if they have the right things happen or they learn a certain thing that kind of opens their mind to it. And I actually, I think I need to rephrase how that question's formed because I think what I'm really asking is, do you think there are certain people that are born that would never be satisfied until they went out and started something on their own? Absolutely. That's, I guess that's my question that, that I'm Absolutely. really looking for is that, and I, I mean, in, at some level, I think if you really dug down, I think, I think you have a little bit of that in you, you know, that, that, that would be, you know, it's kind of like a contented dissatisfaction, you know, at the same time where you're like, you know, I, yeah, I, I made it to, I'm number eight on the team, but I could have been number five if I'd have worked just a little harder, if I'd have taken a little risk here, you know, yeah. that type of thing. So yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I just, just think no. maybe that's the way, you know, that I, I'm trying to frame that question that, I, that I'm getting to, but that's a great call out. And I think, you know, never being satisfied, like always, you know, pleased, but never satisfied. You're always wanting to push the envelope and, and, and try new things, or you get bored doing the same thing over and over and you got to keep moving upward. Like yeah. 
you know, maybe you could argue that that those people are destined to be entrepreneurs, but I think so, those people sometimes also aren't the best teammates or, oh, or leaders. Sure. Of a team. Or leaders. Yeah. Yeah. They, they may have uh, vision. They may start something, but they can't run it. You know, I think the, the people that I, it's interesting. I've asked this question, the people that's, that I think tend to say that it's, there's not a genetic disposition are the ones that probably would be better at running something long-term. Yeah. You know, versus somebody that just is just a creator. I mean, at, at heart, I'm just a creator. I'm a starter. I'm a serial entrepreneur type thing. They're like artists. I mean, they just have a way of doing things that's unique. But, you know, artists rarely have teams. It's just their one right. person shows. So, yeah, I think it's a great call out. But I, I just I have so much respect for like the people we've hired and how they've shaped what the company ended up turning out to be um, and how it shapes, you know, who we work with and what our identity is that I you know, I, I think I'm just a little, maybe I'm just have a different mindset when it comes to that. Um, I, I personally just enjoy so much more as a team winning versus as an individual winning. Yeah. And maybe that was maybe something that, that spurred me as well to kind of start my own thing is I wanted to have, I wanted to build out my own team, one that I felt like, you know, I got to choose and, and put together and train and help and um, get to kind of, you get, you reap the rewards of, of their reward. You, you yeah. get to watch them succeed and be a part of that. And, and I'm, I know that, that the team benefits from that, from that, you know, the, that vision of leadership you've got, but speaking of, of being a leader, as we wrap, just really quickly, give me, give me one or two things that, that you know, today as a leader, just one liners that say, man, if I'd have known this in 2018, 2019, it would have made my life so much easier <laughs> that it, you know, doesn't necessarily apply to the, you know, the, the industry you're in but could be in any industry yeah uh well knowing a global pandemic was coming would have been nice to know uh, <laughs> no i'm not sure it would have impacted anything to be fair um I, I would say hard work and dedication can get you almost through anything is kind of my mindset i used to i used to fear that i wasn't the smartest guy i wasn't the most experienced guy but you know having run the business it's like if you're willing to work hard and dedicate yourself there are a few things that you can't get through. Um, there are some things that you can't do anything about, but like a pandemic, but it, it get you know, I think if you're willing to do that, I really do think that in a lot of ways, you know, can get you wherever you want to go. Um, keep your cost, you know, keep your costs manageable uh, money. You know, you're running a business, especially if it's a for-profit business and you have payroll and you have expenses. Uh, I think you got to pay attention to your numbers. Um, it's not sexy. It's not fun. If you're not good at it, find someone that's good at it, pay for the help because it's yeah. worth doing that. Um, they'll pay for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what else did I tell myself? Uh, balancing work life, but I hate the word balancing because every people have been lecturing me on balancing my life for a while and I've yet to do it. Um, don't stop exercising or eating right or whatever it is outside of work. Um, yeah. You know, I think you got to find a way to keep yourself healthy. I, I was, I had to have missed two or three months collectively. Now I've worked through those days mostly, but collectively between actually getting COVID and just colds and fevers. And if you work yourself so hard, you're going to be sick. And it's just like, you got to find a way to still maintain diet, exercise, sleep, hopefully a social life of some kind. Um, 
but it's do as I say, not as I do. Um, so I've, I've had to learn over the last a learned week. skill. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an acquired it, skill. It's hard when it's your baby and you put yep. all your money you have into it. And, yep. and of course you want to just keep working until it succeeds. But I, I think sometimes, uh, your health is pretty important. I think to an entrepreneur that you're, you know, keeping your mind right. And you have the weight of not just yourself. I mean, you feel like you feel the weight of everyone that, that is getting that, you know, that W2 at the end of the year from you that you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm kind of carrying this load or feel like I'm carrying a lot, not because my team is, but I feel like I'm carrying this load as the, as the leader of the parade here. Well, as an entrepreneur, yeah, in a lot of cases, you probably had some success in a previous job before starting your own mm -hmm. company. So you, maybe you have, you know, I had some, some financial padding though. Most of it went into the company. Um, you know, a lot of people you hire, it might be their first, second, third yeah. job. They might not have that, that security blanket that you have. So yeah, frankly, what keeps me up at night is just delivering for them that it is for myself. I, I've been fortunate enough. Um, you know, I, I know I could go out there and go work somewhere and make some money if I needed to, but it, our company, you know, our team, I think, you know, becomes your priority once you start. Yeah. And I, I have, I love the chat today. I, I loved all the sports analogies we got to throw in there and kind of, kind of dance around. And, and uh, I mean, we mentioned Alan Iverson and Scotty Pippen in, in one interview. I mean, and in your name, all in the same, at the same breath, you know, all yeah. three, three of those basketball greats, but uh, and thank you again for just taking time and just sharing your story and, and just, just making me laugh and, and just really, uh, seeing value to the thing, you know, and the questions that you answered and you were really thoughtfully answered, you know, for our audience and really just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Chase, thanks again. Have a great week. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for having me. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.